When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Never thought about dipping into it. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. It's just a lot of gobble, gobble, turkey. Just gobble, 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 turkey from Jive Turkey Gobbler. Joe, would you say that this is pretty regularly our one of our two or three favorite, if not our favorite, shows of the year? This is probably my favorite Mackie and Judd with Rami pregame show of the year, without a question, without question. And we're not talking about... Gophers Badgers pregame show. Although that's fun too. And yep. we're going to be at Blarney for a sign making party on Friday, three to six o'clock. We'll provide the tag board. You guys provide the clever and the funny and just don't get us fired. We're talking about the Patrick Royce Turkey of the Year column preview show where we dissect the candidates. We list them all. We take your suggestions at Phil Mackey on Twitter, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting, even though he is off today. And in his place, our friend Chris Long from Hello. KSTP up, Five Eyewitness News. Usually the odds maker, but it's been a busy week. You were, you got some stuff coming down the pipe about uh, uh, the Gopher football team, and so you've been busy. So we don't have odds, but we yeah. have we have a, a clean slate to go over all the candidates here today. One, I wasn't going to be haphazard with my odds. You're right. I, you guys were nice enough to ask me to do this. There was just no way I could do the kind of research and analysis that it would have taken to give true odds. Uh, but I do like kicking this around with you guys every year. However, I thought last year was it. Yeah, he's the Brett Favre no, was, of Colorado. Right. So no, it was two years ago, and and was that when he named so himself? So he gave it to himself, and essentially Patrick admitted that he had lost the the battle to Sid, and so he gave it to himself. That was though two years back, the last year of the Turkey Committee. It's now called, I think, the Tats, the original Turkey. So it's now Patrick. The committee has been dissolved. It's no more. So it's now Patrick Solo well, there, awarding it. Was there a committee? Yes, there was a... Oh, I always oh, assumed... Oh, no, there was a huge committee. I assumed The whole was... thing started with all the people and the chairman. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he dissolved it and thought that the year he gave it to himself two years ago was going to be it. And then I believe that there were some folks, probably named Phil and Judd as well, who said, you can't be done. This can't end. We've right. been poking in the whole time. This is yeah. too good of programming. It is. And so he came back and gave... His first one solo by himself last year. So this will be year two of the committee not being there to help out. By the way, I have a full list up through 2017. Remind me who or what won it last year or won in air quotes, the turkey of the year. What was it? It's the only one I don't have in front of me. 
You know what? I'll, I'll find Someone it while you're going. Last year. I'll find it while you're going through. So here are the... Oh, PJ Fleck. PJ Fleck, that's right. PJ Fleck, and in wow, what fact... A, what a whiff. No, Pat, no. Get the committee back. No, in, in, <laughs> fa- in fact, Royce <laughs> says... Royce now says that, that PJ's lack of success before that and success since then based on him motivating P.J. And there are historical examples of the turkey of the year. Having a big bounce. Went through the whole thing. It's, it's sort of the opposite of the like the, the Sports Illustrated cover curse or the Madden cover curse where you get on the Madden cover uh, of the video game and you tear, you tear your ACL three months later. There are historical ex- examples of guys bouncing back to have career seasons or going to uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, right? Yeah, sir. Yeah, you go back to the early 1990s. I'm just going to start listing some of the winners here. Uh, you had uh, you had 19, uh, 1990, Kent Herbeck was the Turkey of the Year. He was a World Series champion just one year later. Lou Nanny was the Turkey of the Year in 1988. And even though he wasn't the general manager anymore in the early 90s, he built the groundwork for a trip to the Stanley Cup championship for yep. the uh, North Stars, right? Absolutely. Uh, you've got uh, Carl Polad in 1998, okay? A couple years later, the Contraction Twins go to the ALCS. Motivated. It is. Turkey of the Year is like the opposite of winning the Grammy for Best New Artist. Correct. Which is usually a kiss of death. This is now, you know, can I be Turkey of the Year this year, please? End up being, you know, hit Powerball and, uh, yeah. Exactly. So, all right, let's 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 just do this. We've, we, If you've got suggestions for who you think should be the Turkey of the Year award winner, or even just like people or things that should be in the conversation, tweet them at us, at Jay Zolgad. At Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting, and what's your handle now? At is it ask Chris Long, Chris Long on STP? Um, and I've got. I just want to throw. Let's just go through some names one by one. There's a few of these that I think. I think we have to look at this through two different prisms. <laughs> yeah. Who would we pick as the Turkey and of the get Year? Get inside the head of Patrick Ruiz. Yeah, and that's yes. different, oh, incredibly difficult. I have a bomb drop here at the end. Let me know when we're close to the end of this segment. I've got one. Okay. And I have to give it credit because we brainstormed downstairs. This was Joe Schmidt's idea and he did that. He said, nah, he goes, we're not getting into Royce's head. And he came up with one that I think is a home run and just might hit. Okay. And by the way, we also have Warren Moon on the show today in about 20 minutes. And uh, so Warren Moon on Vikings, on Kirk Cousins, and Ryan Leaf will join the show at 5 o'clock. He actually picked the Gophers to win the division at the beginning of the year. Who didn't? And we want to get his thoughts. I mean, we all picked uh, (laughs) the... The Gophers, come on. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to throw out the first name, yep. all right, just to, just to start off the, the conversation. Craig Leopold fired a general manager mm-hmm. after 12 months and then got up to the podium and listed, like, the 11 reasons why Paul Fenton was terrible at his job. Literally everything you could ever think of. Like, why would a guy be bad at his job? People, person skills, uh, scouting skills, basically management said skills. He was good at this. But bad at everything else. Right. And so I think I think Craig Leopold, for just whiffing so badly on a GM and then admitting all those things, I think he has to be in the conversation. And he knew him from Nashville. It wasn't like he was pulling a... I'm a people person, a damn it! Right. And I think even continuing to get on the road of the Wild can still win, the Wild can still win, and uh, look at them now. Here's my question. Bottom of the standings. Can we get at this, and be, because it's not going to be this general... But what would be the thing that Patrick would latch on to about St. Thomas being kicked out of the MIAC? St. Olaf's Because it's not going to be the president's. That's too general. That's That would be a, oh, yeah. no-duh. That's All sort right, of we're boring. T- we're turning off of Leopold. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, we, let's, well, just, just, let's just throw some stuff out. We're just I trying think, to toss out and, ideas. And Pat is my football guy. So you're kind of starting to creep into getting into the head of Patrick Royce. Yeah. He could do my presidents as turkeys of the year. 
Yeah, and I think that's too general. Yeah, but that's right in his wheelhouse. True. Like, that's... 90% of the viewing audience would, would go, well, who cares? And that's exactly why Patrick would do it. Hmm, interesting. So it'd be like a Mount Rushmore of Mayak yes. school presidents See, or yes. something. Okay. I don't think you can just throw St. Olaf. They were the most vocal, I suppose. <laughs> I but Patrick, though, likes to do that. Certainly didn't act alone. Yeah. Well, what are, you have all the winners. There, what were some of the other obscure ones that he didn't he do? He did death one year. Uh, he did. After he, a flip he, he, he did. Yeah. He did death. Yeah, I'll go through some of the obscure ones. He did 25 years of Gophers football in 1992. Ooh, which could have pushed on to. <laughs> Think about how long that could have gone 12, to. Actually, this is what, unbeknownst <laughs> us, so we had Warren Moon booked today, just not because today is turkey. He's a turkey? Warren Moon won the Turkey of the Year ah. Award in 1995. Did he really? So we will we will in twenty minutes talk to a twenty uh, fourth anniversary a, a former. I wonder if he even knows. I guess we'll find out. Uh, other <laughs> that, obscure that ones. Went well, twenty twenty five years of Timberwolves in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, we could run that one on a little bit farther. And the yeah. Grim Reaper in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, that's right. He also in the seventies had a couple too, didn't he? He had. He did uh, some national ones way back in the day, didn't he? Yes. He turned it local. Steinbrenner. In the late seventies, I think I think his first one ever might have been Woody Hayes. It was nineteen seventy eight. Bowie Coon did did he get it one year? He was the second one. Okay, and then Bob Knight in nineteen eighty. George Steinbrenner nineteen eighty one. Sid's friends. How different? Yeah, you're right. Sid's friends. <laughs> he admitted that. He said, you're "I took right. care of Sid's friends first, then I went local." He also worked for the Pioneer Press, the competing paper yep. at the time. He was doing yeah. that too, which is definitely an amazing troll job. Um, what about Tom Thibodeau being I think, exposed as a fraud? I think he's. Dead and buried. I think Patrick likes Tibbs. I, he's defended him. I don't think he would do that. I also think it's just that's too far in the rear view. I okay, think. so let me put a twist on it. Since we're gonna we're gonna step into Patrick's brain here as much as we can, Pat hates the new Timberwolves system and style. Even though the Wolves are off to a really good start, could Pat make Ryan Saunders and Gerson Rosas the co turkeys of the year? Not only for speaking all of this leadership gibberish and jargon that Pat hates, but for ruining. Timberwolves basketball by chucking threes up 45 a night. Too big for he him to just it. say modern basketball because he hates what Golden State did better than anyone for six years. He hated that. And that's in Houston, succeeded with it. And Modern basketball is actually, I don't think it's going to win, but that's an interesting. He does hate modern basketball. He's come on the show and said he can't stand modern basketball. I don't think it's going to be that could be an Wolves specific. Because of the fact that Glenn owns the paper, and I think that, and I think that would be <laughs> a. Wait, wait, caring wait, about that. Didn't Glenn own the paper in 2014 too? No, he might have bought the paper. Right, he bought that. the paper around that time. I'm just, okay. I, and I'm not saying Patrick would care. I'm saying that when you turn the column in, it obviously goes through everybody. It. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there that I think that the Wolves modern basketball actually makes a lot of sense. But again, I, I don't think it's going to be esoteric. any Wolves. Yeah, yeah, that might be true. And if he's going basketball, I think he's going Richard Pitino. Hmm. That, okay, that's a good one. He can get him pretty good on recent recruiting. They've basically built a Wisconsin you know Badger team I'm right on now. local I'm right, guys. I'm right now. I like that one a you lot. Know, you just watch Trey Jones and, and Hurt. But they went well, to the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, but he could still get them on recruit. Yeah. I'm not sure that you're right, but I like I like how you're I, thinking along. I, I think if he's going basketball, he's taking a couple shots at Patino. Here's a question. Could he get at the way the Wolves are thinking <laughs> by going after Falvey and Levine for not making moves at the deadline 
and sabotaging what he thought might be a Twins run of success that was short-circuited by the acquisition of, let's say, a guy like Sammy Dyson. Two X's. That's, that's two X's and O's. I mean, Sam Dyson himself could be a Turkey of the Year for that, the story that came yes. out. Yes, oh, and the way he, things went here, whether the injury was his fault, knowledge, or not. I knew he wasn't a good guy, though. Told a lot of people that, too. Didn't I, like I, I think that's two X's and O's. Okay. I think not making deals at the deadline, that's too related to winning games for okay. Turkey of the Year. Right? Well... Uh, but there's a there's an avenue off of not getting pitching at the deadline. The reason why they, in retrospect, should have gotten pitching at the deadline is because one of the pitchers got himself suspended. Could Michael Pineda? Pineda could Michael Pineda oh, be oh, in the mix? That's a little more because you could hold say on. that's the domino that fell. I think that one's. I think he's definitely at least honorable mention. And the turkey table, Pineda, you could have a lot of fun with that. You could. He's. I mean, he'd probably eat all the sides. That's how I should have done these odds. I should have done finalist, honorable mention, and off the ta- off the table. Pineda is is might be finalist. He also has a history of turkey like activities uh, or turkey like transgressions. When he had the glob of pine tar on his neck when he was a Yankees pitcher, that would make a heck of a call. You know, you can like, build a case. Everyone in baseball uses pine tar or oh. something to get a grip, and this guy comes out with like literally a pound of pine tar on his neck. Has no idea how to cheat. No, Clearly. he doesn't. Doesn't know what steroids no to take. Yeah, Doesn't right. know where to put the pine tar. I I like that one. That's. I'm not saying that's for sure, but I like that one a lot. And still has generational wealth despite all that. Yep. Yeah. Good for Michael. Pineda. And and Patrick does keep saying, you know, he Pineda screwed him. So that's a good one. So keep I, that in mind. I'm dipping now into just people who have been sending suggestions to me yeah. on Twitter here, and I, I this is an interesting one. You could go one of two directions here. You could go the organization, the Astros, for the cheating scandal. Or you could get even more specific with the guy, uh, Brandon Taubman, the assistant GM who made the remarks to the reporters in the clubhouse. We'll get a men- mention, not local enough. We've just talked. I think it's mostly going to be local, but certainly could make it to the table as an honorable mention. Yeah. And either of those. By the way, the uh, the last non-local, because Grim Reaper was local. Yeah. Uh, Royce <laughs> himself was local. Locally tied. He was locally, locally based. Yeah. Yeah. Lived in Woodbury. <laughs> Can you guys name the last non local winner? Been forever. Um, this was part of the conversation we had downstairs and we were kind of brainstorming this a little bit. It, it, are we I, talking I, 90s? Mm mm. 2000s. Oh, oh. really? Yeah. Bill, Bill Belichick. Football. No, but you're, Roger you're sniffing around. You're, now you're colder. Bill Belichick is. Tom Brady? Like, no. The okay. Patriots. No, you're. It's a coach. You, you need like the first cousin. You need like the first cousin of the Patriots tree here. Think about the Patriots tree, the Belichick tree. The Par- Belichick is the Parcells. tree. Parcells. Uh, I don't know. Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss. Oh, you're kidding. 2007. <laughs> All right. At Notre Dame. Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss, who uh, within two years went from Charlie Weiss Notre Dame playing to potentially Kansas. for a national championship game to getting paid for seven years to just go away. At Kansas. How did Charlie Weiss get it? Because wow. Notre Dame was such a disaster. Notre Dame went from literally went from like the Bush push game. They could have, they would have won that. They would have been national title mix to Charlie. Must have been slim pickings in, in this town that year, though, huh? Uh, Pam Borton year before Marion Gabrick, two thousand eight. All right, let's start thinking. There's there's nothing Vikings, right? I mean, you could Zimmer. Well, well, Zimmer. I thought of two things. I thought of Cousins. And then Zimmer. You can't give it to Cousins now, can you? No, no, but it goes for... Just when you think there's, wow, it's not going to be... Right. That's when Ricey strikes. That's when he jumps in. I don't think it's Cousins, because I think that would be perceived by Patrick as being boring. Zimmer, I could see. Uh, Xavier Rhodes could be one. Someone tweeted in, but I just, it's not, there's not enough of a splash factor. That's not going after Xavier Rhodes. No. 
I wanted a Zimmer just because kicker killer. You're a defensive. You Fires are just elite court. defense, and now you're yes. Fire Defilippo. Yeah, exactly. And then he's mood swings is the wrong way, but to say it, but it's not mood swings. It's it's. He's been. I could see him picking at Zim. Also, yeah. he, Zimmer's never won it. Yeah, and I think the thing with it could Pat, be a lifetime achievement award well, for Zimmer. Yeah, and the other thing with Pat to keep in mind is he loves to pick people who he knows it'll tweak them. Yeah, and if Zimmer found out he won it, he'd be tweaked. Nah, I think Zimmer would love it. Well, he I don't know, but he would definitely have a reaction. Oh yeah, he'd be tweaked. Yeah, some guy like if you pick Warren Moon, I think a guy like Warren Moon's like whatever, dude. I don't. What's this? Mike would be Mike would either embrace it and think it's hysterical or take umbrage. Now he might not say it, but he would. Well, there's some more suggestions coming I in like here Zimmer. on, on right, Twitter. I'm just gonna read some from people coming. So Chad tweets in, What about Byron Buxton for Turkey of the Year for running into walls? Maybe seat at the table. I don't think he wins, but I think he's in the conversation because that's the kind of thing Royce would Why can't you figure out the warning track means warning? <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge wall. Stop uh, running into it. Two people have tweeted in back to back. College game day for Turkey of the Year. Yeah, but they're Pat here. Hates college game day. Oh. He he knows they're in town this week, and they would read the paper. <laughs> that could be really though. Based on I don't know. He hates college game day. I think. I mean, Pat Pat came on yesterday and was just a grouch for. Twelve minutes. Was, about college game day. Was great. Right? What do you mean? Twelve minutes. I know. He's for, thirty-five years. Right. That's true. And Phil said, "Why don't you like fun?" And Pat's like, uh, "Not that I don't like fun. It's that fun doesn't like me. He likes manu. I think college game day. He doesn't, he doesn't like manufactured fun. I think I think college game day is too. It's this is ordinarily a achievement over the course of the year, right? Like college game day is just going to be here, and it annoys Pat. But I don't think he, and I don't think. He would want to admit it annoys him to the fact where he awards them this. Uh, I think if they'd have shown up for the Penn State game, they we would have been fine with it. But I think they waited until now. It's the the biggest game in the history of Gopher football. These people, by the way, just quick side rant here. There's I've I've seen some percentage of Gopher fans saying, "Well, if they didn't want to show up a few weeks ago for the Penn State game, why bother showing up now? We don't need them." First of all, that's, timeout. That's so Minnesota. Not in that spot to, to at all chirp like that as go for football fans. Right. Uh, and two, the fact that they waited actually makes this better because this is the bigger game anyway. Sure, this 100%. is this is for every. This is for the Rose Bowl. Gonna be this is for the college football playoff. It's you could argue this is a national round of sixteen game. It is. You win this, you're in the quarterfinals next week. You win the quarterfinal, you're in the semifinal the next week. Yes. This is a national Sweet 16 football game. Yes. Uh, other suggestions coming in here for Turkey of the Year. Uh, someone saying that Judd Zolgad for trying to tear down the Minnesota Wild should be Turkey of the Year. I wish. I, I, I will never do I, that. I, never. Not in a million years. I, I would be so thrilled. He wouldn't do you the honor. No. I've got some uh, national exactly. ones. Exactly. Some national ones that probably <laughs> won't make it to the top, but just, just to throw some national uh, ones out there. All right. Miles Garrett. Just for you know, taking a helmet to a man—that's an helmet. awful one. Yeah. How about uh, how about Antonio Brown? Absolutely, yeah. Just the way he beat his road out of Pittsburgh, well, I could yeah. see Royce hating that, and then he goes to—I could see that. I mean, I—I I, I don't think it's going to win, but there's an argument to be made there. And then the other one I had written down was for, from a, just a national one. All the hype about the Cleveland Browns going into the season, Baker Mayfield, or something representing the Cleveland Browns for this is this is going to be your year finally, and you're mostly terrible. What about tanking? 
Hmm. How, how anti-tanking is Pat? Um, I mean, he's. I don't think he makes fun of you for being pro-tanking. Pro tanking. Right, he does, and he likes to mock me, which I probably deserve. But I don't think he's that anti tanking. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so of all the things we've thrown out here as we try to speculate on Turkey of the Year, and Chris Long's hanging out with us, Warren Moon in about ten minutes on the show, the nineteen ninety five Turkey of the Year winner. Congratulations! Do I, do I drop my esoteric bomb? That's a great one right now. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, let's hear credit it. to Joe Schmidt for coming up with this. I'll take credit yourself. And I'm with it. My thought, and if Royce hears this, he might erase, <laughs> he might erase his column and redo it. Column has been filed, by the way, on well, Sunday. Right, it's, it's been it's been in for a, it's for and tell me this isn't perfectly located right in the central cortex of Patrick Royce's head. The turkey of the year could be culture. Wow. <laughs> so hyperculture, twins culture, twins culture, gopher culture, flat culture. Culture, culture, Timberwolves culture. culture. Sort of like it. Timberwolves there. Change the culture. I like where Joe's head's at. Yeah, that's very good. Joe hits. This is a massive. Hold on. This is hitting on a massive long shot in the eighth race. So this is. I think it's perfect. I think you're you're definitely on a really interesting side street here because Patrick hates new age leadership stuff. Hates it. He Which is it's all just sort of and this would get pokey. at the wolves and the twins and PJ again, yeah. And that's the word that like encapsulates it. everything about modern sports that Patrick Rossi hates. Yeah, um, you know, even with how successful the twins have been with their front office, you know, Pat still just finds it to be mostly annoying. And, and I might say no, but he chose death, so it actually makes him sense. Mm-hmm. You guys want to take a couple calls here too? Yeah. All right, six five one six four six eight two five five. This is the official Mackie and Jeb with Rami Turkey of the Year pregame show. <laughs> Patrick Royce has filed the column. We have no idea who he picked. Uh, he said it's been filed since the weekend, so there's no turning back now. Mark in South Dakota, you're on the show. What's up, Mark? Hey, guys. Hey, I got two of them. First right. one, what about Jim Delaney for the wise decision of, invi- of getting Rutgers in Mar- Maryland in Big Ten? <laughs> That's one. Possible seat at the table. I like it. Yep. Yeah. The second one, Gopher football fans for how easy they are to troll, how well they react to being trolled, mm. and for begging and pleading for College Game Day to show up. That's okay. a, Gopher fandom. That's solid. Is a finalist. And I can just feel hear my Twitter timeline filling up right now. Yes, it, it is a fickle group that is also somehow defensive. <laughs> uh, you're right. And Game Day, yeah, it's going to be good. Well, we didn't need them. Go for fandom would be an interesting. Pat's one. been trolling them successfully now for how long? Five years, six years. I don't know if I'd say successfully, like four, but four he's been years. trolling them. For I think it but started with Brewster, didn't it? The recent exchanges now on Twitter are fantastic. Yeah. I but, like that one. But That's here, good. And here's the thing: if th- this is this is my beef with, I, I agree, this could be the go go for fandom just for the troll factor. Yep. But if you're Pat, at some point you had PJ Fleck as the turkey last year. You've been poking at Gopher fans as they keep winning and winning and winning. Take the L at this point. Like you got to take the PJ Fleck L. But he's trying you to. Gotta, you got to take motivate the Motivate them. He's trying to help them in his mind. He's not going to take the L. By the way, when better to go after Gopher no, fans? He won. Than, he's than, not uh, taking the L. He thinks he motivated PJ. When better to go after Gopher fandom than possibly forty-eight hours before what could be their finest hour? <sighs> Boy, I really like Boy, that one. Interesting options. So, all right. So with all the options on the table, I think I like. I think I like the Joe Schmidt Chris Long idea. I'm pretty hung up on culture. And the odds some tell you of that. There's been, in fact, last year with PJ Fleck, that was the first time we had a person specifically, like a real actual person, not the Grim Reaper, win Turkey of the Year, and not counting Patrick Royce naming himself in like five years. So he's 
recent history tells you he's Trends. definitely going toward entities or ambiguities. Who's our favorite person? The Pineda one to me makes a lot of sense. And I, I don't think he's, he's going to get it, but that makes sense. Patino makes some to me as far as people go. I kind of honestly, yeah, I, I, I kind of like fi- finding a way. I, I, I like Mike Zimmer is not obvious. Mike Zimmer would not be voted Turkey of the Year by any Minnesota sports fans, and that's the reason Ooh, why yeah. Patrick would find a way to make him Turkey of the Year in some form. Yeah, just throwing that out there. I love it. I don't have a prediction. I, I love the culture idea. I think that Leopold, if I were getting a vote, would probably be up there. Um, for all the reasons we discussed, but I don't think Patrick will go that direction. Right. So. so keep sending us in suggestions at, on Twitter, at Phil Mackey, uh, at Jay Zolgad, and we'll uh, we'll read them throughout the show. But thanks for coming up. Yep. I'll talk to you Friday, probably, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. come hang Excellent. out with us uh, come, at, at Blarney with us. That's a date. We'll, we'll have a one. couple surprise guests. Buy me too. We'll see. Okay. At Blarney. We'll do. Thank you. <laughs> see you, boys. I mean, we'll, just demanding we'll be people off buy the drinks. We'll be <laughs> off the air by then, but I really appreciate it. Uh, see you longer. When we up. come back, former Turkey of the Year award winner. <laughs> He's going to hang up on you. It'll Warren be great. Warren Moon is going to join us when we come back. Warren Moon next and Ryan Leaf at the top of the hour to talk about uh, the reasons why he had the Gophers winning the division early in the season. But Federated Mutual Insurance Company, speaking of the Gophers, has been a proud supporter of U of M Athletics going back uh, the whole season and multiple seasons, actually. Every time the Gophers defense forces a turnover, they donate, Federated, $1,000 to uh, to a great cause and uh, you can find out more about the industries that Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com, where you can also find your Federated marketing representative. This is a place that's been uh, helping business owners here in the state of Minnesota and nationwide since the early 1900s, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. And it's just quite it, its quite simple from 30,000 feet. You're a business owner. You've built your business with your bare hands, sweat equity. You probably see... Uh, the people you work with more often than you see your family. And if something bad happens to your business, you just want to have some peace of mind that you've got experts and a great face-to-face relationship standing next to you. That's what Federated brings. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download brought to you by Tondrick Financial. ESPN's College Game Day is coming to Minneapolis this Saturday for what might just be the biggest college football game in Minnesota history, a battle for the Axe, and a trip to the Big Ten Championship game is all on the line this weekend. You can join Mackie and Judd with Rami for a game day sign-making party at Blarney Pub and Grill in Dinkytown this Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Score North. We, we will supply the sign-making materials. You supply the money. That's this Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. at Blarney in Dinkytown. Mike Zimmer took to the podium today and was asked about how he plans on stopping Russell Wilson. Other than hoping and praying, here's what he said. He moves really well. And so his movement, you know, we can't, we can't, just rush and stop and peak. We've got to rush, and uh, but we have to be disciplined in our rush lanes and be where we're supposed to be. Because he'll go up, he'll go back, he'll go out, he'll go left, he'll go right. You know, it goes all the different places. And and the receivers do a great job of taking off when he starts to scramble. It doesn't take him. You know, he he sees an end come underneath and he's out. That's been your score north download. Now back to Mac and Judd with Rami. All right, That's George fans the extra tackle in motion. He can also be a tight end. Oh, a little trickery here. Wilson gets it back. Looking, airing it deep, going for it all, and he's got it for the touchdown! Malik Turner pulls it in for Seattle. He's 
such a fun weekend of football. Gophers, Badgers for the Axe and for a trip to the Big Ten Championship game. And then 48 hours later, uh, the biggest game of the season for the Minnesota Vikings on the road. Monday Night Football, Seattle. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Rami is off today. Uh, but we are super pumped to be joined right now by a pro football Hall of Famer, a former Viking quarterback who in his career in the NFL with Houston, with the Vikings, Seattle, uh, and a little bit Kansas City at the end, nearly 50,000 yards passing. Warren Moon, thank you for joining, and how are you today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? You ready for Thanksgiving? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're talking to a couple of guys who definitely don't miss a meal on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so. <laughs> did, uh, did that Chinook come in last night? Did you guys get a big storm? Uh, we uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a welcome. So game day game day is coming to town for the first time in uh, in school history here, and it wouldn't be a Minnesota welcome, Warren, if we didn't dump nine inches of snow as they were trying to set up the stage, right? As as you know from being here for a few years. Yeah, I loved uh, my time in Minneapolis, but that is one part of it that I do not enjoy is when those big storms come in and dump all that snow. The driving's perfect, though. Come on, you know. I mean, it's fun. You, you slide, slide around. The roads aren't cleaned. It's 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 great. The one thing they do do a, a good job of is keeping the roads pretty uh, clean once it does snow. But yeah, for that that first couple of hours when it's coming down, it's it's pretty uh, treacherous and uh, it's not not easy sledding, especially for a guy from Southern California. Did Did you enjoy the, the uh, dome, Warren, planning in, inside here? Yeah, you know, I played in a dome most of my career. Right. Uh, I played in Houston for 10 years in the Astrodome. Then I came to the Metrodome. Then I went to the uh, Kingdome in Seattle. So I, I played inside most of my career and really enjoyed it because, you know, you had the elements the way you wanted it. It wasn't any wind. You know, it was 72 degrees all the time. So when you threw the football, it went exactly where you wanted it to go. So that's actually I, – I, I want to ask this, and, and I don't have the numbers from, from – your career, you know, outdoor grass compared to indoor, but the Vikings have had problems with that, and you know the Vikings are uh, they're very comfortable when they play on artificial surface, and they're very comfortable when they play at home. But when they have to go on the road, and we're, you know Monday night is a good example when they have to go on the road, and then when they have to play on a different surface, and maybe the wind is in play, it's harder. I mean, was that ever a thing for you in in, in your career, the teams that you played on, where it was just it didn't translate as well. Why? What's your theory on why that's been the case for for the Vikings, say, the last few years? Well, a lot of it is because your team is built for the type of uh, surface that you're going to play on. So the Vikings are a very fast football team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because you're playing on a fast track inside in that dome, and you want to have you know faster, quicker players. But then when you take those same players and put them outside in grass, it slows them down a little bit. Uh, they don't have the same traction that they have when they're inside, and, and it, it makes them uh, you know less as dangerous because they're not used to playing as much on grass. Even though they practice on it all the time, right. still, when, whenever you play the game, you're, you still want to play the game on on uh, the conditions that you uh, you practice. So that has a whole lot to do with it. And I know our teams in Houston were always built for speed, and we always wanted you know really fast, quick receivers, uh, a lot of speed on defense to be able to run people down. And when you get outside, it's just a little bit different. You look at the New Orleans Saints. They were another team that's inside inside uh, team. And when they go outside, they don't seem to be the same team as when they're inside that dome because they don't have that same speed. Exactly. Uh, going back now, what in your mind was the best team that you played on? Man, I played on a couple. I think our 92 Oiler team 
when we uh, I think we got beaten Buffalo, you know, on that big comeback game, and then the next year we came back and won twelve games. We were twelve and four, and uh, ended up getting beaten uh, in the playoffs by Kansas City and Joe Montana. Uh, those two teams I thought were good enough to get to the Super Bowl, and uh, we just didn't get it done in the playoffs. And we have nobody to to uh, blame but ourselves, but. We had some good teams in Minnesota as well. I remember one year I got hurt just before the playoffs and wasn't able to, to play in the playoffs. I hurt my ankle, and uh, I was really upset about that. We had another really good team in Houston, and I I, I uh, had an open dislocation of my thumb in the last game of the season, Ugh. and I, I ended up missing the playoffs that year too. So there was a couple of teams where I didn't get a chance to play in the playoffs just because I was injured. Okay, did you – when I think back – uh, to just your three years in Minnesota and what could have been if it was time shifted by a couple seasons. So Randall Cunningham wound up coming in here and he got to throw to Randy Moss and Chris Carter in 1998. Do you ever think back and wonder, man, if if it was just a two year difference, <laughs> if you had been able to throw to rookie Randy Moss, let's say in 1996 instead of you know of 98 when you were in Seattle, um, what would that have been like? Yeah, I would have loved to play with Randy at least one year. You know, just to see. Uh what we could have done together because I know what happened when I, when I came there and played with Chris, you know, he all of a sudden had two seasons of 122 catches back to back. And, and uh, Jake Reed really uh, came into his own during that time as well. And then if you had Randy Moss to the mix, it's no telling what we could have done uh, throwing the football wise, but it, it definitely would have been fun. And, and I watched a lot of those games on television when Randall was playing with uh, Randy and I was wishing I was on the uh, other end of some of those bombs that, I, that he was throwing down there. Exactly. So how how much, in your your mind, in watching games today, has quarterback uh, play changed since your playing days, Warren? You know, it, it's become a, a game where the quarterback has to be a little bit more mobile. You're seeing guys, you know, that are uh, the top quarterbacks in the league now, like a, a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott. These guys are able to throw the football from the pocket with a high percentage, but they're also able to move and create and do things with their legs. And, and that's what you're starting to see a lot of the quarterbacks in this game uh, today uh, be able to do. These uh, RPOs, these run-pass options are really big in the game. You're seeing quarterbacks running the option as well, you know, where they're coming down the line of scrimmage and optioning people and running the football. Uh, it's a totally different game than when I played. We did some of that when I was in the run and shoot, but most of the quarterbacks during my era were, were mainly drop-back guys. So today the game has really changed to be a little bit more movement, but you still have to be able to throw the football from the pocket when it's all said and done. Warren Moon is our guest right now. I'm Mackie and Judd with Rami here on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. And uh, you were one of the pioneers for African-American quarterbacks, and you and you paved the way. And if, if, I, if I could make – and this is – people would debate this, but – um, I, if I made a list of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, it might look like this in some order. Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott. Um, how does that make you feel? You know, I'm very proud that I played a small part in, uh, you know, helping kind of change the mindset of, of individuals that in, in management and in ownership and in coaching that African-Americans could play the game at a high level because, you know, I was one of those guys that did that for uh, quite a while in my career. Uh, you know, Randall Cunningham was one of those guys. Doug Williams winning the Super Bowl was one of those guys. And I think that really proved to a lot of people around the league that we could play the game at a high level, and it really opened the doors for that next group of, uh, of African-American quarterbacks to get get the um, 
get the attention and get the opportunities to play the position. So that's something I'm very proud of. Why do you think that took so long, Warren? I think it's just mindset. It's just a mindset of people. Uh, there were stereotypes and stigmas about you know African Americans being able to lead, being able to think, being able to be the the the, uh, the face of a franchise, uh, to to be able to be the guy that you have to count on each and every week. And and I think it was not just something in sports that was was thought about. It was in a mindset in any any type of. Uh, occupation in the country, whether it was in government, whether it was in medicine, whether it was in politics, it didn't matter. Uh, that's kind of the thinking of a lot of people. So once some of that thinking started to change because guys were getting opportunities to show that they could do those things, it started to make the change even even greater, especially in sports. What QB, what QB, going back now, did you see who didn't get the chance because of the time back then who, who you said it's a shame because that guy could have been a star if he had gotten the opportunity he deserved? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I really have to put on my thinking cap for that one. But there was a guy named um, uh, Joe, Joe Gilliam that played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. He was a guy that got off to a good start as a starter, and then he was benched. And then uh, Terry Bradshaw came and became the, the starter there, and, and they went on and won all those Super Bowls. Or if you look at Marlon Briscoe, who was the first African-American to start in a football game with the Denver Broncos. He set a rookie record for the uh, Broncos that year. And then he wasn't even invited back to come back to camp the next year because he only played because the first two the first two quarterbacks were injured and he was forced to play as the third guy but never got a chance to play quarterback again. So there's a lot of instances like that, but you know I just have to go back in history and think of some of those those situations. Warren, what do you think? Just to shift to uh, Vikings and Seahawks this coming Monday night, people are pumped for just a huge weekend of football uh, in the Twin Cities, and then obviously in Seattle with the Vikings on the road, but. Kirk Cousins, we have seen, I think, the the worst of Kirk Cousins. If you go back to the first month of the season, the Chicago game, and then if you take Kirk Cousins in the last two months or so, you can make a case he's playing just as well as any quarterback in the NFL. He had his first ever fourth quarter comeback as a Viking in that second half against Denver the other week. What is your evaluation, quarterback to quarterback, when you watch Kirk Cousins? What do you think and what do you see? You know, Kurt is a very good quarterback, and sometimes when you make a transition to a new team, you have to really figure out uh, how you fit in best with that football team. And, and last year he had a pretty solid season as far as his numbers, but didn't play well in some of the bigger games. This year he's playing better in some of those bigger games, and I think it's because they figured out what he does best now offensively, uh, especially with their running game. Their running game being potent, now they're really going to the play-action pass, which is something that uh, Kurt is really uh, – improved on and, and, and taken advantage of and seems to be spreading the football around to a lot of people and playing with a lot of confidence. So, like I said, sometimes it takes you a minute to, to, to get used to what you uh, come into a new situation, a new, a new offense, and I think he's finally hit his stride with that offense, and they're playing their best football at the right time. So that's why I think this game is going to be so good. The Vikings and, and the um, – Seahawks have had some great games against each other over the past few years. They had a great playoff game uh, in the University of Minnesota Stadium a, a few years ago when, they, <laughs> when the Vikings missed that kick late in the ball game, and oh, they could have won that game. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up poor, again. Yeah, poor really Blair Walsh, <laughs> who went to uh, Seattle then, Warren. Uh, that, that's enough of Warren Moon. We'll yeah, uh, talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's been some really good uh, games between these two teams, so I don't see this one being any different. Both of these teams still have a chance to win their division if they keep winning because they get a chance to play their division leader at the end of the season. So that's why this game is big for both teams because they want to keep winning so they can stay paced and try and win their division so they can have that home playoff game. Who do you like in, in this one? You know, I always kind of go with the home team uh, when it comes to a big football game like this. And the Seahawks, uh, traditionally, under Pete Carroll, have been a very good team in primetime games at home. So their only two losses this year have been at home, so we'll have to see if they come back and play the way they, they're capable of playing when they play at home. But like I said, the Vikings are playing good football right now. This is going to be a very close game. I think it won't be any more than a three-point game no matter who wins it. Yeah. Right on. That's Warren Moon, Pro Football Hall of Famer, uh, three years with the Minnesota Vikings, and one of the great quarterbacks of uh, of our lifetimes. We really appreciate the time, and we'll see what happens on Monday night, Warren. Thanks, Warren. Hey, thanks a lot, guys, and have a great Thanksgiving, everybody in the Minneapolis area as well. Awesome, man. You too, Warren. See ya. Take care. That uh, that was fun. He was a hell of a quarterback, man. Could he throw the football? God, doesn't it make you think? You know, Ooh, you you, you watch guys now, and if, even if you just just look at some of the numbers. There's like 15 quarterbacks with a 100 passer rating now because it's just so easy. Right. And and Warren Moon was for probably five or six years in his prime one of the best passing quarterbacks and 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 he didn't really get a full shot in the NFL because he was a USFL guy, right? CFL. Early on CFL. Edmonton Eskimos, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And you just wonder, okay, if you took Warren Moon from the 80s and 90s, oh. and you took I mean, Dan Marino put up current day numbers in that era, and you're like, what if you, what if those guys played from 2005 through 2019, like yeah. Drew Brees and like Aaron Rodgers, right? What, and, what and, would they do? And you protected them. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is th- those guys were not protected. Mm-hmm. If they got slammed, guess what? They got slammed. Mm-hmm. So. If you took if you took those if you took today's crop of quarterbacks and put them let's say circa 1984, I'd be very curious because they'd take tons of hits. Oh man, they wouldn't be protected, and and it's weird too because if you go back and watch the film from their days, um, there were I felt like there were a lot more chances taken. Like uh, like down the like like down the field chance, but like dumb. Oh, I the, see. Yeah. The game's so much more structured now. Of of there are quarterbacks that essentially don't throw dumb passes, right? Mm-hmm. In 1985, that guy basically didn't exist, right? Yeah. So it it would be, but a guy like Moon, he threw a laser. The, the trajectory on his ball was basically. I always thought sort of flat because he threw so hard. He's also Cunningham the- would come in and literally fill launch it up. And it would come down, and Moss would catch it. Yeah, I, I, actually, we—I I saw Seth posted a couple days ago the anniversary. Is it yesterday? The anniversary of Randy Moss's yesterday. breakout game against Dallas on Thanksgiving. And you watch some of those passes, and it's just like Randy Moss is covered, but they're like punts. But the, the passes come straight down the phone yes. booth, basically. They're like punts, yeah. And he just sort of catches them, and he bo- he boxes out the defender. Yes. Uh, at Warren Moon, also the uh, for my money the best quarterback in the history of Tecmo Super Bowl too. Was he really? It's a great that offense unstoppable Oilers? on Tecmo Super Bowl. Haywood Jeffries, uh, Ernest Givens, <laughs> I love those guys. Drew Hill, yeah. Lorenzo White out of the backfield. But uh, that was cool of him uh, to join us. Can I? Since we have a few minutes here before we uh, get to Ryan Leaf, because you weren't on the show on Monday when I brought this up with Rami, yeah, and it caused a lot of a lot of stir on social media and on our YouTube channel. Yep. Just want to run this theory by you, okay. and I think we should make it official. Hot 
Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in hot take court. Wow. Yep. You know what? And I am, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm turning myself in here uh, for the hearing. Just I'm, I'm walking into hot take court. So you're coming in on your own volition. I, uh, I saw Judge Rami the other day, and now I'd like to I'd like to plead my case to Judge, Judge Rami. Judge might here. be as dirty as Judge Jonathan. No, we'll he's actually not. He's too upstanding for this judge. Okay. <laughs> I want to paint. I want to paint a picture here for you, okay. for you, for the courtroom. Okay. That Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers right now. And by the way, I know what I said six weeks ago on the show, which is I'm done with Kirk Cousins, and yeah. I'm not done in but terms right, you're of Sean right, Mannion. You're but saying like, right now. I'm saying right now as at this we, moment as in time. We speak. Yep. I am not I am not saying that Kirk Cousins has had the better career or that Kirk Cousins uh has more championships. I hear you. Right I know now, exactly what you're saying. Kirk Cousins is better and I want to bring some evidence to the table here, okay? I just want to I want to go over the concrete facts, not the eye test necessarily, but the concrete I, facts, I'm okay? I hear you so far. Let's start with age. When we're trying to talk about you know which quarterbacks are peaking and which quarterbacks are on the downslide. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, I believe on Monday, turns 36 years old. He yeah. turns 36 next week. Happy birthday, young man. He's a full generation younger than you are. Happy birthday to him. Uh, so you could uh, not even argue. I think it's just a fact that he's no longer in his physical prime anymore. Okay. And we see some quarterbacks play at this elite-ish level when they're 39 or 40, like Tom Brady did or like Drew Brees has for the most part or Brett Favre in 2009. Mm-hmm. And and I think we tend to assume that oh if if those guys played at that level when they were thirty nine or forty then well Aaron a guy like Aaron Rodgers will for sure too but the norm is for guys to drop off once they get to be thirty four thirty five thirty six so uh, I think the, I think the the drop off we've seen from Rodgers isn't that shocking when you account for the majority of quarterbacks who drop off at age thirty six and Kirk Cousins is thirty mm-hmm. so you got one guy who's no longer in his physical prime you got one guy who's still has probably two or three years left of physical prime okay, okay. all right. Kirk Cousins ranks number one in the NFL right now in traditional passer rating and seventh in QBR. And I believe I saw a note from Sam Munson. Is Kirk Cousins now number one in PFF rating? Too? I think since the beginning of October. Okay. I think they took the sample size starting with the great October. Okay. So and the last he's number two months, one basically, last two months, yes. he's been number one. Because he's had one bad game, right? So number one in traditional passer rating, number seven in QBR, yep. and then number one the last two months in PFF rating. Yep. Aaron Rodgers is number 12 in traditional passer rating and number 16 in QBR. Yep. Uh, Accuracy, okay? Kirk Cousins is number one in the NFL in on-target throws. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers is 20th in on-target throws. And you are saying that you would take Cousins today? I'm saying Cousins, I think, is a better quarterback right now. Right now, right now. Yeah. Uh, Rodgers ranks also 17th in completion percentage. Cousins is 4th. How about uh, chunks of yardage? How When you throw the ball, how many chunks of yards are you getting? Cousins, fourth in yards per attempt. Rodgers, 16th. And touchdown rate? How many, what percentage of your passes go for touchdowns? Cousins is third. Rodgers is 16th. I mean, is there anything other than mm-hmm. like, oh, Rodgers has been amazing for 10 years to say that? I got a confession to make. Play the song again. Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in hot take court. Exercise. 
exercise done today independently of all the stuff that you just said because I didn't know that you said that on uh, Vikings Vent Line with Danny Cunningham and myself this morning. Exercise done ranking all 13 quarterbacks the Vikings will play in 2000 or ha- have played or will play in 2019 uh, and how you would rank them and then the game became would you take Kirk instead? All right? My number one QB, Russell Wilson. Yep. And yes, I would. Controversial take number two, Dak Prescott. And I would take, I like Dak a lot. I think Dak has emerged as a like for sure a top me, 10 quarterback. If, da- if Dak had a good coach, I think he'd be phenomenal right now. I think he's got a really questionable game coach, and I still think he's damn good. What do you mean questionable? Just because you ignore evidence and statistical facts that... Uh, well, no, he looks at them afterwards. God. He looks at the analytics after. Anyway, point being, Aaron Rodgers, for me, was the third on that list. And I flat out said, right now, I would take her Cousins. So Cousins would be... I'm with you. I'm with exactly would, would what be, you're saying. Would be just behind those other two guys. Yeah. yeah, but if you gave me here, here's my Aaron Rodgers conundrum because I do like him. Don't get me wrong; he's I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. Here's my conundrum: When does this become his fault? Oh, it's Mike McCarthy. You fire Mike McCarthy and get in a young coach. It's going to be great. Matt Lafleur is going to come in, and Aaron Rodgers. Is, it's going to be great. I said that. You know, it's stale. It's the relationship's done. You got to get a new coach. Okay, they do. Yeah. Now they do. Guess what's happened? It's not changing. And people are now trying to blame Matt LaFleur. And my question is, when does it become Aaron's fault, at least partially? Yeah. I mean, how so many, how I'm with you, though. If you gave me, if, if I had to play, now, Monday could change this. I'm not going to lie. It could. But if you gave me a game today and said, okay, you know what? With, with comparable offensive talent, I need a quarterback. I'm taking Kirk Cousins today. It's it's and it's imagine having this conversation after the Chicago game a couple I months ago. I said the same thing this morning. But like the only thing Aaron Rodgers is elite at anymore is not throwing interceptions. I honestly think I was talking to someone on Twitter about this the other night. I honestly think Aaron Rodgers might care more about limiting interceptions than winning football games. I think he has become, or maybe maybe that's a little too far because I'm. I think I think he wants to win football games, but. I think he has become so hyper obsessed with not throwing interceptions. The last month he has flat out not been good. But he's only thrown two interceptions. Oh, all right. Because he's, he's not, yeah, he doesn't throw dumb picks. But he has not been effective. He's not been good. But wouldn't you rather, like, if you're, if, if you're him at this point, wouldn't you rather thread a needle once in a while or yes. lead a guy that I think you have to have a 50 50 ball? If, because I it just, I think he's become so obsessed with just, well, I, I, I can't throw ten interceptions in a season because that's not what I do. My my legacy is single digit interceptions. Tom Brady. Tom Brady has offenses that are lacking, or at times are, and the Patriots' offense in 2019 is certainly not that good. And Brady might not be great in those situations, but he finds a way to make things work, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how. I, I don't know exactly what he what the talent is there, but he does it. Aaron seems to look at it. And be like, oh, this is going to be, oh, it's too tough. It's too tough. And that's why I think we always get back to, well, now it's LaFleur's fault. And before it was McCarthy's fault. And at some point, no, the quarterback has to take responsibility too. Yeah. Also, how many quarterbacks on Aaron's level historically do you hear chatter about, well, it's the coach's fault? Oh, it's the, right. I mean, or is, is it that Manning and Breeze and, and Brady, who've been like, I get that a couple of those guys have been with one coach for a long time. So maybe it's not a good comparison, but. Are those guys just super lucky and, they, and they've got the best coaches and coordinators all the time? Or do they find a way to work together better than Aaron Rodgers has? I don't know. I just, But the point is, and we both agree, yeah, Kirk weird. Cousins right now is better than Aaron Rodgers. And you're correct. It's amazing to say. If, if 
you had told me after the Chicago game that we were ever going to have this conversation during the course of this season, I would have said you are absolutely nuts. Yeah. One more hour left of Mackie and Jeb with Rami today. We will get back to more Turkey of the Year speculation because people are sending in their suggestions. But when we come back, Ryan Leaf predicted early in the season, I believe before the season, that the Gophers would win the Big Ten West. He was one of the first national analysts to buy Gophers stock. And uh, he's doing pretty well with that stock price right now. We're going to talk to Ryan Leaf when we come back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Rami on vacation today. Don't forget, 3 to 6 o'clock at Blarney on Friday. Sign-making party, live broadcast. Hopefully some special guests. We're still planning some things. But uh, come hang out with us at Blarney on Friday for a special uh, ESPN College game day pre-game, pre-game edition of our show. Luther Brookdale Toyota is a sponsor of the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. You can help our show, actually, by going into Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, and uh, kicking the tires on some uh, holiday shopping options like the 2019 Tundras, Tacomas, Forerunners, and RAV4s that all have great ready-to-move prices. And just tell them Phil Mackey sent you. Uh, and you'll find out the minute you walk in, either the service department or the showroom area, why my family and I have been going to the same place for 30-plus years. $500 trade-in bonus right now as part of a Black Friday special. So you bring in your trade. If you've been thinking about trading in your vehicle it's a great time to get an additional $500 from Luther Brookdale Toyota. They have 0% financing on all Highlanders right now. And just driving, I was so excited to wake up this morning and drive around with my four-wheel drive RAV4, just trudging through snow, baby. I've had, I haven't had four-wheel drive ever, and I woke up excited this morning. A lot of you guys were miserable, but I can tell you, the safety features in four-wheel drive, it's a, it's a very exciting time to be alive if you're Phil Mackey, apparently. Let's also talk about TCL TVs. TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. And TCL TVs are the official TVs for watching sports here at Score North. We've got two 55-inch Roku TVs in our studios. Our old, our old uh, buddy Sean Farnham is on right now. What's on the TCL TV? It's our old buddy Sean Farnham, who used to be a regular on this show, and now he's blowing up national. That's what happens. Guys like Sean Farnham use the Mackie and Judd power and megaphone to blast their careers into the stratosphere. So TCL is available at any major local retailer in the Twin Cities, and I'm going to guess you can probably find some good Black Friday specials uh, at any of those major local retailers. We're talking about 5,000-plus streaming channels and 500,000 movies and TV shows, all available with that built-in Roku device, no external cords, nothing to drag you down. And even if uh, even if you're sick of watching sports, which I don't know why you would be, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Now, and many, many more. If you're in the cooking mood these next couple days, access to dozens of streaming cooking channels as well. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Ryan Leaf joins us next to talk Gophers Badgers. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Preparation. This isn't Florida. I mean, we all know that. I mean, as much as recruit and bring people up and, and, and they come to my house in June, that lake freezes. It's not that hard to figure out. For us, we did a lot of things proactively leading up to that because that was the first cold weather game of the year. Usually the first cold weather game of the year, I will go overboard. And we were asked Tanner and we were dunking his hands in ice buckets as he got the signal every, between every play, right? And, and then spraying the football free, frozen footballs. We have the frozen footballs out today. Um, and then we'll be practicing outside. We'll be at the stadium tomorrow. Wait, did he say he was dunking Tanner Morgan's hands in frozen, like near frozen it's water? It's the Belichick thing, yeah. The Patriots love to do that. Yeah, oh yeah, it's crazy. 
Oh, I take back everything I said about being worried about this game. If that's how much the Gophers are preparing, they win this game by 14 points. <laughs> I'm sorry for doubting the Gophers. It's amazing preparation. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you thought P.J. Fleck was crazy. <laughs> well, I love P.J. Fleck, but he might be a little crazy. So our next guest is an ESPN college football analyst now. He also is he's a host on Sirius XM, Pac-12 channel, and he does great work helping people with mental health disorders and addiction at FocusedIntensity.org. It is Ryan Leaf. <laughs> Welcome Ryan Leaf to the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. Uh, Ryan, did you ever have uh, ever have a coach dunk your hands in near frozen water to get prepared for a cold weather game? I did. Yeah, we uh, we he had me do a. I called it uh, ruins Ryan's self self esteem day. Um, <laughs> and what they would do, they'd bring out cold freezing water, or if we were going to a place where it was going to rain and be hot out, he'd have just like mucky water where I would have to take the, the football and dunk it into the bucket before I threw the pass. Wow. And I literally hated it. And he was preparing for me for games where it was going to be bad weather, inclement weather. And sure enough, uh, the Apple Cup, uh, the game to get us to go to the Rose Bowl, we ended up playing the full game in rain. And I can't, I, I couldn't tell you uh, during the game uh, that it actually rained during that game uh, because I just was so mentally uh charged uh, in the right direction of doing those things. My muscle memory just took over, and I went out and threw for like 350-some yards and, and a couple touchdowns, and we won and went to the Rose Bowl. What's worse as a quarterback, the wet or the cold? The wet, because the cold, your body's so hot, so the ball becomes like this this thing that just sticks to your hand, and you can spin it like crazy. So, <laughs> uh, And when it's snowing and it's cold, loving it. When it's raining and the ball is wet, that's the problem. So, and it sounds like Saturday you could have a little bit of both, like freezing rain, sleep. The, the worry I yes. have about Saturday for the Golden Gophers is the wind because the difference in these two football teams is that Wisconsin runs the hell out of the football. Yeah. And what Minnesota does is so great is in the air. They run the ball well, yes, but where they're different is what they do with the, with the trio of wide receivers in Tanner Morgan. Yeah, that's uh, and and I mean the the fact that the Gophers have two what we think are at least two NFL caliber wide receivers it's such a huge advantage unless Mother Nature uh, puts a wrinkle into it. So what what did you see? Because you were one of the first people nationally several weeks ago to jump on this bandwagon and say, "All right, no, I know- no, 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 no." Did you just say several weeks ago? Several months ago. Months. It was months ago, right? Are you guys kidding me? You guys got to be on this. July 29th, wow. prediction, Big Ten West <laughs> champion, Minnesota Golden Gophers. Listen Come to you. On. Yeah, I've been on. I've been on this for a long, long time. Phil accuses himself and, uh, for the rest of the interview. I thought it was like September. My God, July 29th. What's the what's yes, the what's sir. the Powerball going to be next week, Ryan Leaf? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I just I I love PJ Fleck. I love what he's about. I I saw what they did at the end of the year, and I looked at their schedule, and I saw that they didn't play crossover games against Michigan or Ohio State, and I saw all their home games were going to be against the the prominent opponents in in Penn State, Wisconsin, and and Nebraska, who everybody thought was going to be much better. I thought the only stumbling block for them may be at Kinnick Stadium, and sure enough, you know, uh, there you are. So, yeah, I've been – I was really fond of of this football team, and I felt like they were going to be able to do something in the West, uh, and they've definitely done that. They have an opportunity on Saturday to – to, to finish that up, and, and I've been in contact with, with Coach Fleck and that staff and that, that crew all year long. Really proud of them. They've made my, my college football year, especially in the broadcasting side of things, in my first year, really, really fun. 
You, you look super smart too. Uh, so when when it <laughs> when it comes to Fleck, you know, we always talk about the the fact that you know players seem to gravitate towards him, and and he's got an up tempo uh, style and personality. But Ryan, tell me this: how special is he when it just comes to flat out coaching? Because offensively, when when he got the job here. We were basically told this guy can just coach, and it does seem like their offensive scheme itself is really, really smart, and definitely works. No, he's he's a he's a he's a good football coach, but he's also a salesman, right? And right. And to be honest with you, to be a, a, a successful head coach in places like Pullman, Washington, and Minneapolis, Minnesota, you got to be eccentric and and maybe be a little weird. And that's not a bad word, but PJ Fleck is exactly that. You know, a guy running around. You know, yelling out, roll the boat and have oars all over the place. There's something odd with that, right? And it's, it's, it's almost a uh, snake oil salesman or something like that, but his guys buy in and he's got a great football mind and he's got a great staff around him that make him better. He understands all of that goes into it. So, you know, he, he was very successful at Westbrook, Michigan to do the thing that he did to go undefeated and get to the New Year's six in the group of six. I think is, uh, very telling on what he's going to be able to keep and be capable of, uh, of doing at, at Minnesota. And you, you've got to, a really good look at it because offensively they've been super dynamic. I mean, a few weeks ago against Penn State, you had a quarterback who completed, uh, who had, who had more touchdowns than incompletions in that football game. It's just been exceptional. He's an offensive genius, I think, and, and he's in the right spot. And, and, you know, I applaud, uh, the university for giving him that extension and keeping him there because it's going to be, uh, successful run with PJ Fleck at the helm. Yeah. Ryan Leaf is our guest here on Mackie and Judd with Rami and, uh, I think so. Tanner Morgan wasn't highly recruited or, or touted, but uh, everything that we see and hear, he's a great leader. He he commands the offense. And I, I guess my question to you is: What are the things when you look at quarterbacks that are moldable? So sixteen to twenty-two year old, really moldable quarterbacks. What are the things that are very much teachable, and what are the non-starters that are just you either have it or you don't? Um, I mean, competitive nature, right? Uh, I mean, I, I, when I get a kid in the room, I just want to see, uh, an utter competitiveness in no matter anything they do, whether we're, we're messing around playing pool or, or ping pong or anything like that. I need a competitive guy and I need a leader. I need a guy that's not afraid to speak up and talk about things and be, uh, and, and also, uh, hold other people, people accountable. I think that's what leadership is. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you, you are unfallible. It just means that you are capable of, of looking at somebody else and saying, hey, we need to be better here. We need to do this better. And and I really feel like Tanner Morgan's that guy. And I think people respect him and his teammates, uh, you know, love what he brings to the, brings to that. Fundamental and technical things at a quarterback position, I think, can always be improved on. I mean, there's always a talent factor, right? right. I mean, that, that's, that's when people recruit players for their talent, that's it. They always feel like they can do things technical and fundamental. And, and I think he's improved on that. I think that his release has quickened. I feel like his, his footwork has been better in the pocket. I feel like he's been more decisive. Uh, and those are all things you can learn with experience. And this year he's only gotten better as the season has gone on. And it was the epitome of that in both the Penn State and Iowa game. I thought he was really good in the Iowa game as well. I mean, that fourth down pass was right on the money that got dropped. That, that really would have put him over the top. So I expect uh, nothing short of what we've seen this year from Tanner Morgan on Saturday. Big football game. Uh, conditions could be a problem, and and uh, it's uh, it'd be a matter of how he gets past that and doesn't let him affect him in a negative way. What, what impresses me about him as well is this: 
he seems to be flatlined consistently. Like, there's not a lot of ups and downs and panics or looks of, oh, my God. He just seems to, to be uh, consistent. And i I got to think if you're playing with a guy like that and he's your quarterback, it makes you feel pretty good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you got a guy not screaming on the sideline or, or, you know, I've always said this about emotional quarterbacks, right? As long as that emotion's focused inward to the team and not outward to the opposition, you can utilize that. You can you can grow on that. And when you got a guy that's fired up with him and his teammates when they score, they're celebrating, uh, and it's not about other people, that's the leadership you're looking for. And that's why I'm always so impressed with guys that have that kind of emotion, but it's inward and about the team and not outward about the opponent. No taunting, no finger-pointing. It's not about somebody else. It's about your enjoyment and what you're doing and what how successful your team has been. Is there any reason why Minnesota, even though it's been largely dormant on a national level for decades, is there any reason why in a top 15 media market, they've got a new practice facility, if, if P.J. Fleck, uh, if he gets paid enough to stay and wants to stay, is there any reason why Minnesota can't be on the level of Wisconsin or at least be competing for Rose Bowls once every three or four years? Of course not. Uh, they, they more than can be in, in, in any situation like that, right? They they can definitely be in the conversation in the West every single year. When they're not talking about having to deal with the Ohio States and, and, and Michigan's of the world, you know, you got Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, those types of teams in the West. They definitely can. All of that can be true if you found the right guy. And I think you have. And I wouldn't necessarily say every three years, right? You could compete every year and be in the conversation. You know, traveling around in the, in the Big Ten is difficult. Yeah, you got to deal with Penn State. You got to deal with the likes of Ohio State and Michigan, like I said, and Wisconsin and you know, Indiana's gotten better, and Illinois is getting better as well. So Purdue's been up and down. They, you know, are paying a head coach like uh, they need to be a, a top ten program. So they better turn into one soon. Uh, Nebraska and Scott Frost going into his third year. I mean, you know, it's going to be competitive, but I don't see why they can't be at the top, uh, competing for that every single year with PJ Fleck and that staff. All right. So before we let you go, what is your? I mean, you don't have to make an official prediction of like score, but like, does your gut does your gut lean Minnesota, or what? 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 What would you say this weekend? Yes, definitely, definitely. I, I, I don't think the, the road stops here. Um, uh, if they make it to Pasadena, uh, I'm, I'm going to be an honorary captain for them, so they better <laughs> nice. get to Pasadena. Wow. Uh, that's oh, the way we need to put it. Uh, I, I think they win this weekend, yeah. I think that it, it, you know the elements may be a problem, but I just I think there's a destiny to a season, and, and this is it. Uh, Brock Heward was quarterback for Washington uh, my last year, and he just he always told me the story that, that final year when we went on to the Rose Bowl, there was just a destiny to it. No matter what they did in that Apple Cup game, it just seemed like he, you know, you couldn't get past it. And I really do feel like there's a destiny to what uh, Minnesota's doing. And because Ohio State's so elite and so good, and not saying that they couldn't be competitive in the Big Ten championship, but if they are able to get that and not be able to get it done against probably the, uh, arguably the best team in the country, uh, what a great consolation prize. Uh, and going to a Rose Bowl for the first time in 57 years. I think that is that is pretty pretty darn special and well-deserving. Uh, the fact that they are a, uh, a double-digit win team this year, too, is says a lot about their perseverance and their ability to block out the noise and just get it done. So, yeah, I think they beat the Badgers this weekend, take that axe, run around town and celebrate before they go to Indianapolis and and, and battle their tail off against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. That is Ryan Leaf. And for the record, it was July 29th, and I looked it up. It was actually July 29th of 2011 that you predicted that about P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. I, it's been eight years ago. <laughs> Crazy. 
ridiculous. So yeah, for, yeah, for, from my prison cell. Yeah, yeah who would have thought? <laughs> exactly. Well, we appreciate it. We had a, we had a blast with you at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and uh, you're, uh, you're just you're doing an awesome job now as a as a media talking head. And I think Gopher fans appreciate your optimism, and we'll see what happens on Saturday here. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the game this weekend. I wish I could be there. I'm in, I'm in uh, Dallas for the uh, Tulane SMU game uh, there in the American. So, uh, But I'll be watching, uh, and I'll be having my producer keep giving me updates in my ear during that football game. Sounds good. All right, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Take care, man. Bye, guys. Ryan Leaf, who jumped on the Gopher bandwagon on July 29th. That I thought was, it was like September. He that jumped is remarkable. The summer, man. It's amazing. East winds on Saturday, according to the Eyewitness News forecast, gust up to, gusting up to 30 miles per hour for the Gophers game. That's good. That's good when you're trying better to throw the, come, throw the ball to Rashad Bateman 15 not times in that win. Better not come down to a field goal in the uh, <clears throat> Buffalo Wild Wings side that's wide open. I would recommend. There There was a, a moment in that Iowa game. Blair Walsh in? Man, how about Warren Moon bringing up the Blair Walsh game earlier today? <laughs> well, yeah, because because he's a Seahawks guy now. He's a Seahawks fan. But like, here's what I would recommend: I have I only have one, actually two pieces of unsolicited advice for PJ Fleck on Saturday. Preserve your timeouts. It's going to be a close game, most likely. So preserve your timeouts. He tends to just I call like, that tap. Timeouts are precious. Okay, I'm speaking PJ to PJ tap. So I call it tap. PJ, okay. it's tap. Timeouts are precious. So the TAP is what we're going TAP, for here. Yep. Yeah. It's like a tap. Um, so I'll, I'll go through these, and then you tell me what the acronym is. Okay, okay. I've only got so, one so, so far. So TAP, uh, because he tends to he tends to light timeouts on fire when yeah. he doesn't need to, and just like just preserve those things for the end when you might need, might need to drive. Absolutely. And when you get into Wisconsin territory, if it's windy, yep, and you're on the fringe of field goal range, even if it's fourth and oh, ten, yeah, you don't try it. Just go for it. Yeah, you got you got an NFL first round pick, Rashad Bateman. I'd rather him throw a twenty five yard fade route down the sidelines to Rashad Bateman. Jiffy. Go for it. Jiffy. That'd be Giffy. Well, whatever. Yeah, you know what? The point being is, yes, don't no 54-yard field goal attempts. Especially now, is the kicker who they previously had supposed to be back for this game? Because he was out the last couple games. I don't, I don't know his status. And that poor kid who was kicking against Iowa, I don't know why they asked him to try that long field goal. Yeah, I, I felt bad for him, actually. I don't know what his status is, but just being a college out, kid, go no. for it. Um, I'm with you. Before we... Uh, Take a pause here, and we're gonna we're gonna come back with cram session in like ten or fifteen minutes. But let's do a little Twins hot stove here, impromptu, because some news came down. A couple interesting pieces of news came down. Kyle Gibson, a three year, thirty million dollar contract with the Texas Rangers. Who's the agent? He's a really really good. Yeah, Kyle's thirty two years old and got thirty million over three years. I thought he'd get one year, maybe two. I did not see three. Did you? Not at all. No. In fact, if you the told fact, me the fact three that for Kyle 30, Gibson, I said, no way. Yeah, the fact that he got at age thirty two three years and thirty million dollars, what does that say for guys like Zach Wheeler or Madison Bumgarner who are younger and better? <laughs> They're gonna be really, really expensive. Records. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um and there's been a couple other deals. I mean so Doogie Doogie reported earlier this week, I wanna say, on Monday, that the twins, if they wanted Zach Wheeler at five years and then like seventeen million dollars a year, so whatever the math is on that, eighty seven mm-hmm. million dollars or something. Mm-hmm. That uh, they could have a deal done, or any team could have a deal done for that. But I got to think, if Kyle Gibson's going for ten million dollars a year, might be more. Than that, that price is probably double for a Zach Wheeler, right, or a Madison Bumgarner. But you got to pay it. If you're the Twins, you got to pay it. Yeah, absolutely. And Gibby, God bless you. It's a great contract. See you later. 
Oh, for sure. I'm completely comfortable with this. Yes, absolutely. Had no thought in my mind that, you know what might be worth another try? More Gibby. Yeah, was there ever, I mean, was there even Can any Texas thought Can Texas unlock of... this? Is it, see, I just, I, I think it's between, and I, I know he was sick throughout 2019, but is there something Texas can unlock here? Because to me, it always came back to it was also largely with Kyle between the years, basically. Yeah. Like, is there something that Texas thinks they saw that they can be snap their fingers? I don't and, know, but he's, I just don't see it. He is the most frustrating pitcher I can remember watching. Like, as frustrating as Liriano was to watch at times, it's like, dude, just throw it over the plate. Right. What are you doing? They can't hit it. The way that Kyle Gibson would nibble and... Well, it would get progressively worse. He'd even get his two strikes on guys, and it would just be five inches outside. Kyle seemed to be... Kyle was fine as long as things were going fine. But as soon as they turned sideways, and this being baseball, inevitably they do, Kyle seemed to start to want to nibble and throw over to first base. Was that the Cleveland game, or was that... There was a game this year at Target Field where he got in some trouble and literally just started throwing over to first base to the point where finally, I think Adrianza was playing first, and he dropped the ball and the guy took second. It was just like, Kyle, what are you doing? Yeah, he's... I, I wish him all the best. I, that's what but, I said. I mean... And now he's back good, with his good friend Lance good Lynn. Rins, man. Plus, like, here's, here's the thing. Like, this is why this is a ridiculously stupid contract for the Rangers. Just to, just like, just to make it clear, this is a dumb contract. Why would you pay $10 million a year for a guy that's probably declining age-wise? Like, he's uh, he just turned 32 years old, so you're paying for his you know, 32 through 34 seasons. You want my guess? Why wouldn't you just pay minimum Major League Baseball wage for a minor league guy that could give you that production? Here's my guess. Lance Lynn vouched for him. Said he'll, he'll be good. Said, that's I struggled in 2018. Right there. No, I'm serious. That reminds me of they're when, big buddies. That reminds me of when the Twins... Why else would you do it? The Twins signed Dusty Hughes one time, a left-handed reliever from, I think, <laughs> that, the Royals. That's a great blast from the past. Because they signed Dusty Hughes, who was not very good and was even worse as a twin, because they went to some of their left-handed hitters. Like, they went to Kubel, so Morno, and Maurer and said, like, yeah, who's kind of... Is Dusty Hughes kind of tough? Oh, yeah. A little tough... You know what are they going to do? Like, I don't. Like, is Jason Kubel going to be like, no, nah, the guy's terrible. Yeah, he, yeah, he throws hard. I don't know. He's a major league pitcher, and they signed him, and the guy pitched. I bet you Lance went to the Rangers and said, "This kid's good. This yeah. guy's good." Thank you, Lance Lynn. Yes, exactly Appreciate right. That. We'll see you and Kyle later. The other piece of news: less hot stove and just more Twins related. The Twins lose another key coach off their assistant staff, Derek Shelton, who's been interviewing all over the place for managerial jobs. Derek Shelton is now the Pittsburgh Pirates manager. So the Twins have lost their hitting coach. Uh, they lost Derek Shelton. They lost another coach, too. I think Jeremy lost... Hefner is going to yep. become the Mets pitching coach, which means that all three of the, these guys have gone dumpster fire, dumpster fire, dumpster fire. The Mets might not be as bad. I think they are, but they might not be as bad. But the Marlins yeah. and the Pi- the Pirates are a mess right now. Yeah. But it's a it's a job. It's a great job. So, uh, But I think this is this is kind of... Sneaky, underrated, uh, bad thing for the Twins because one of the biggest advantages the Twins created, and, and we're never going to know how. It's just a, it's, it's all behind the curtain. The Twins did such a great job of taking all of their analytical studies and all of their statistical theories and all the different things that they've been working on, uh, you know, behind the scenes with their, you know, twenty-five man analytical staff, right. And they use that coaching staff to get the information to the players. You know, hot, Max Kepler doesn't just break out randomly, and right? James Rousen helped him. Yep. And, and Hefner and helped a bunch of pitchers. Derek Shelton was a huge yep. liaison With there. Rocco, too. Yeah. No, this is a big deal. So I don't know if it cost them wins. But In fact, you know what? 
Sound it. Panic alarm them. Oh, wow. Panic alarm them. We don't know what's going to happen here. Night before Thanksgiving, panic alarm for the Twins. <laughs> That's what's going through Target Field right now. They're the executive offices right now. Panic alarm. Instead of instead of Christmas music, it's, it's panic, panic alarm. Panic it's alarm. just panic. Dave St. Peter's running up and down. Evacuate. Just not sure. <laughs> Get out of the building. Shelton left. You should too. That's yeah, good. I'm, I'm. I agree though. I don't think it's. I don't want to say it's a huge deal, but I think it is significant. It's it's not something that derails your season, but it's something that could. And guess what? He wrote if you don't replace them with smart people. Pirates, Marlins, Mets all want the secret sauce, right? Yes. These are smart hires by those franchises. I agree completely. Now, it doesn't mean this is what we'll also find out. You know, is Derek Shelton a really good assistant coach who probably shouldn't be managing? Right. Like, is like how much of a driver is Derek Shelton? But the Pirates are now success? going to basically say to him, what did you do here? What did you do yeah. there? What did they do? What did Falvey do? Levine. Mm-hmm. It's a smart move. I just think the Pirates are so dysfunctional right now, I don't know that it actually turns them around. Right. Uh, Friday, we are going to be hanging out at Blarney Pub and Grill on U of M campus from 3 until 6 o'clock. Mackie and Judd with Rami. A special sign-making party, a broadcast. Uh, we'll have a couple special guests on hand, too. Uh, we're trying to figure out some travel arrangement things with our guy Jason Fitz, who's his plane lands at like 4.30 on Friday, but he's going to hope to make it for hope the he's bringing a fiddle. show. Well... That's a write that down prediction gone awry because Rami will not be here for the fiddle playing. Was it you that made that? Yeah, you made that prediction. Yeah, he'd bring the fiddle. Yeah, he'd bring the fiddle. Yeah, and he would play for Rami, and then Rami would leave the studio. Oh, such a good no! I forgot all about but, that uh, part of the prediction. I was just, <sighs> won't hmm. happen now. Unfortunately, it's but, not my fault. But maybe this is an annual thing now. Maybe now that the Gophers are relevant, it's a it's an annual thing. So cram session when we come back here. It includes. Uh, a gopher's question or two, so we'll get to that. And before we get back here for a little cram session action, let's uh, let's have another episode of what's on the TCL TV here in the Score North studio. This is the they're calling it now. It's not just the Maui Invitational; it's the Maui Jim Maui Invitational, I guess. So Maui Jim, uh, oh Maui Jim, the brand, and then the Maui Jim Maui Invitational. Okay, so uh, Kansas and uh, Can you Dayton tell me that again. Now. What that means? Yeah, Maui Jim. Is that alcohol? I was, what's Maui Jim? I don't really know what that is, but the picture's great. It looks great on this TCL TV, fifty-five inch uh, TCL Roku TV, and there's like nine three-point lines now. Apparently, in college basketball, they've got uh, some of these gyms. Like I don't know how you're supposed to know where you're shooting from. That's Maui Jim to you. I see what you did there. Very clever. So TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. You can find TCL TVs in any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. Black Friday specials all over the place. So uh, go check them out. I'm sure you can probably get a discount on the best TV in the land and the official sports-watching TV of us here at Score North. Cram session with Honorable Judge Jonathan Harrison and the turkey master himself, Patrick Royce, will join us as we attempt to uh, pry from him who the Turkey of the Year candidates are going to be. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll use it to simply remind you of something we're doing after Thanksgiving. ESPN's College Game Day is coming to Minneapolis this Saturday for what might just be the biggest college football game in Minnesota history. A battle for the Axe and a trip to the Big Ten Championship game is all on the line this weekend. So you can join Mackie and Judd with Rami for a game day sign-making party at Blarney Pub and Grill in Dinkytown this Friday. 
from 3 to 6 p.m. Score North will supply the sign-making materials while you supply the funny. That's this Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. at Blarney in Dinkytown, and that's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. No Rami today, so it is a head-to-head, one-on-one, <sighs> no show, mono, just like the old days. showdown. No show by Rami, huh? He was Could scared you? of the real judge yeah. on this station. Yeah, Too he cowardly. Was. Actually, he's making nine vats of macaroni and cheese for Thanksgiving tomorrow. He's still chirping us about that. I'm fine with. How's it. he chirping as us? As long as he keeps sending he's food he's porn doing pictures it? to me, I'm yeah, good. he just keeps like bringing it up. Like, okay, we get it. Yeah, all I said is it wouldn't be on my list. Yeah, I was. It trying. surprised me that it's a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah, it's fine. I'm yeah, okay with it. I didn't say it was wrong. I feel like he thinks that we're like adamantly against it, but we're not. We're just not. They just not be on my, part of it's our just life. not on my list. I like mac and cheese. I've just never had it for Thanksgiving. Why can't we each have our own list? Yeah. I don't, I don't, he's being, is it really that big a deal? The only problem I have it. is it has a two seed. That concerns me. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't you. get that. Right, but we just asked him to explain, and then he got all defensive. Yeah. And almost and started, keeps po- and started pouting. Wow. What a clown, that Rami guy. <laughs> And he's a bad judge from Stay what Jonathan Wisconsin. says. Yeah, I'm not okay with his judging abilities. We'll talk to Patrick Royce in about eight or nine minutes here, and we'll try and see if he'll give away any hints for his <laughs> Good luck. turkey of the year. And by the way, we I need to find out, like, why is he now all of a sudden the Brett Favre of the turkey of the year column? Okay, he's tried to retire six years in a row. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But let's get to Jonathan here for three questions. Jonathan uh, gives us points based on our answers to the question, and we'll have a winner at the end of this. Yeah, there won't be a tie like last week. First question, we talked a bit on Monday about possibly – resetting the expectations for the Gophers going forward. So as long as PJ is the head coach here, where are your expectations for this program? You want to go first? The highest they've been in my life. As long as he's the coach. I think he's, I just think he's found a perfect fit and connection with players and with the fan base. And you're seeing, uh, you know, the most people that I can ever remember be interested in go for football. And so I just think, this groundswell that he has built here, if he remains the coach, I think the expectations are to win your division once every other year and to play Ohio State. I think you're, I think my expectations are be there with Wisconsin toe-to-toe and, and, and trade punches to get to the Big Ten championship game. Be, be fighting for the college football playoff or at least be fighting for 10 regular season wins on a regular basis. That's my expectation with P.J. Fleck. Yeah, I was going to say, if Fleck has this program where he appears to, and to me the key becomes that we're going to start finding out about way more in 2020 is consistency, there is no reason why on a yearly basis you don't do what Wisconsin and Iowa and schools like that do, which is contend consistently for Big Ten West titles, get kids here, and I'll go a step beyond that too. And aside from how Ohio State is currently, I'll say when your schedule gets tougher now in the next couple of years, beat Michigan, beat Penn State like you did this year. There's absolutely Ohio State's probably a different ball game, and so I'm hesitant yet to say that you're consistently going to compete with them. But beyond that, compete with all of those schools, consistently win Big Ten titles, consistently get big time talent, NFL drafted guys here, and and. Essentially, if this goes as planned, 2019 for the Minnesota Gopher football program is what circa 1992 with Barry Alvarez and the Wisconsin program was, which is a huge run of success, 
Rose Bowls. I don't know if you're contending for the college football playoff consistently, but every once in a while, like this year, be in that mix. But we're talking January 1st bowl games, and we're talking that we, dare I say, start to take for granted that success, too. So that we're, no, I'm serious, because right now we're like, I don't know. So that we start to get used to the Gophers program and their games on Saturdays, sometimes being as big or bigger than the Vikings. That's what I'm thinking. Not all the time, but sometimes. Bigger than the Vikings? Sometimes. In this town? Yes. Are you saying... Popularity. I'm yeah. I'm I'm saying right now, going in as as excited as I am to watch the Seahawks and Vikings on Monday. Mm-hmm. I think right now, Gopher football has the imagination of the Twin Cities captured, and Saturday is a huge game. And I would like to. And I don't see a reason why. Not saying it's going to happen every year, but I don't see a reason why that couldn't become something that happens. Do you think you would feel differently if the Vikings game was against the Packers for the NFC North? Like it will be in a couple weeks. You know, this is so off the charts and so big, I don't know that. Maybe, but I don't know that. But this is, if you go right now and look at tickets for Saturday's game, I think we're talking $250. It is. Okay. I think with fees, it's over $300 to get in the door for that game. If you want to sit in the top row and freeze your butt off. I did for Penn State, which is awesome. And was it 300 bucks to get in? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's what Amazing. I would like to see. And, and with Fleck here, if this if this is as consistent as we think it could be, why not? I love the positivity, Judd. I, I don't know that competing with the Vikings, no offense to PJ and the Gophers, I don't think competing with the Vikings is a realistic possibility unless the Vikings are down because we just we know how popular that team is in this town. They are this weekend. So I, think, I think Phil is going to win the point here because... <laughs> Just competing on for the West on a regular basis, getting or fighting for I ten took the regular too season high for you, didn't I? You might have. I took the stakes too I high. Love for the you. positivity. You couldn't handle the truth. Uh, oh, I could handle it. Usually, Judge the the guy who pours cold water yeah, on people's sports fun here. And no, uh, there's no reason Judd to. Judge took the excitement to a new level. Or Judd raised the level of expectations so that it's easier for him to cut them down. You don't know. You don't <laughs> criticize know them. I'm not admitting to that. It's a genius Playbook. game plan. I'm not admitting to anything that Patrick Royce might have taught me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want you to rank in order from most you would want to face to least you would want to face in the NFC playoff picture as currently constructed if you were the Vikings. So those current teams right now, 49ers, Saints, Packers, Cowboys, and Seahawks. Are these potentially games here as well? Or are we not talking there? Uh, just in general. Okay, just in general. This yep. is this is crystal clear. Yep. Cowboys, bring them on. Jason Garrett, you're an idiot. Love ya. <laughs> Packers, too. Uh, you, you almost came back from 21 nothing down against the Packers in Week 2. Packers don't scare me. Packers are 2. The Saints are 3. It's Drew Brees. I, I don't think he is who he was 2 or 3 years back, but he's still Drew Brees. And I'm not sleeping on the Saints. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson, I want no part of that. But my number 1 team, the team I don't want to face, 49ers. That defense is legit. And if you get down to that team... I don't think you're coming back. So I'll go Cowboys, Packers, Saints, Seahawks, 49ers. Um, that is the exact order that I had written down before. And so rather than scratching it out and changing it for the sake of changing it, I agree with Judd, but I'll put this spin on it. There are two teams that I do not fear on behalf of the Vikings at all. And he mentioned Jason Garrett, the idiot coach, is one of them. I don't really fear the Packers either. I mean, I, the fact that's that, the, the, like, what, what do the Packers have that's better than the Vikings right now? And for forever you would have said Aaron Rodgers, but you wouldn't say that anymore. 
Yep. I mean, you could you could maybe put him on an equal footing right now, but this is the best season of Kirk Cousins' career. Like you what? were down by twenty one at Lambeau Field, and should and have almost, won the and game. should have won the game. Yes. So you're right. You're not going to play that bad again. Uh, and the Saints. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the Saints. The, the Saints are good, but at the same time. I don't think the Saints are as good as they were when they should have beat the Vikings in the Minneapolis Miracle game, if not for the, I don't know, Minneapolis Miracle. And uh, I think that's why I have them higher on the list, because if there's one quarterback of that list that doesn't really seem to get rattled by U.S. Bank Stadium, it's Drew Brees. And yeah, I know having a bit of a down season, but still, like Caller said, I think on Monday... He just he it, U.S. Bank Stadium doesn't matter to him. Russell that, that Wilson happens. wouldn't be phased one bit by that place. He's one of those rare guys. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we'll just give half a point to each of you. So who knows? There may be a tie. Oh, cool. I get a, I get a half point for just agreeing with Judge. Half a point. You're easy game. completely. You are the. It's an easy game. This right. Well, you guys uh, have the same order. What am I supposed to do? Just no points. I'll get. I'll take the point. Could have given it. Could have given it to the guy that said it first. I can take the point. Here that, if that's you want. okay. The trip to fans gone to your head. Just keep going. <laughs> I mean eaten anything yet all right <laughs> this one will need sound for because i was baffled by this and i brought it around the office and i'm trying to figure out how it happens pj flex said in his press conference yesterday that people have been renting out the axe over the past year our state of minnesota hasn't hadn't seen the axe for 15 years i mean that's like finding your long lost grandfather and knowing that he exists and then you find him don't you want to go see him if he exists and he's yeah. in the state, you're going to probably drive and see the guy. It's the same thing. This way. is going to take the entire state of Minnesota for our football program to continue to do what we want to do. It's going to change people's thoughts, perceptions, and ideas. And that wasn't a rub in anybody's face. That was just, there's, there's people who are very emotional when they had it. We had people rent it out all over. It was at weddings. It was at anniversaries. It was at parties. Why did we um, rent it? Because it's, it, it, that year, it's Minnesota's. So that's what rivalry trophies are. First of all, this is a thing you can rent. The why didn't we, I had no idea. Why didn't we rent it? I have. I didn't even know you could. We stream everything. We should stream the show with the axe just sitting right in the middle. Yes. How yeah, is I mean, like, thing? are you allowed to touch the axe? I don't know. Well, clearly, if they rent it out, just, can we let Judd swing the axe? Is the question? Do you know well, how heavy that thing is? Challenge. challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, me I might drop. <laughs> that might be a bad right. idea. So the question is, what's the one thing in all of sports that you would rent? Trophy, memorabilia, doesn't matter. What's the one thing you would rent? Do I go first on yeah, this one? Turn, yeah. I want to make sure that because uh, Jonathan's going to get Royce on the phone, uh, Royce on the phone here. I want to make sure he gets Pat on the phone. I, I don't want him to not hear my answer here because it it hit me immediately what my answer is. I would rent Grave Digger. I would rent the monster oh truck Grave Digger. That's five hundred forty <laughs> cubic inch engine. Where would you take it? One thousand four hundred fifty horsepower, sixty six inch tires, and I would drive it. All over downtown Minneapolis. That Look out, bikers! Think, I didn't even get think in your of damn that. biker lane because I'm driving <laughs> Grave Digger down Hennepin <laughs> Avenue. Get your ass out of the way, Grave Digger. Sort of like University that Avenue suddenly becomes a lot easier to get down for you. Wow. Um. Wow. I'm sorry, but I can't match that. I no, went Stanley. Wow. I went Stanley Cup. That's what I predicted. Because I drink beer all day from it. I think it'd be fantastic. <laughs> I don't care if it's dirty or not. But yeah, I did not see Gravedigger coming. That's well good. done, Mackie. Thank you. Uh, that is completely all out of left field. And I love you probably it. kill like three yeah. people, by the way. All right. So we now welcome the Brett Favre of the Turkey of the Year uh, column at the Star Tribune, Patrick Royce, who's been threatening retirement for, is it now six years or seven years with this column, Pat? Uh, no, no, just two years ago. Okay, all right. Just Brett two Favre. years ago, we retired it, and then we had to bring it back. So I heard a report from Ed Warder that you were considering retiring five years ago, but 
No, no, it's, no, me retiring. Yes, I've been threatening to retire. That was the Ryder Cup. Forms of media for about eight years, but now I'm threatening to work till I'm dropped dead, as I did yesterday. So anyway, I've, I've changed my mind completely. I decided I don't want to sit around and do nothing. Well, I uh, <laughs> I do I, I, as much fun as it would be if you revealed uh, the turkey of the year on the show. I, we want to preserve we want to preserve the shock and the surprise for Star Tribune, Star Tribune dot com. But my question for you is on a scale of one to ten, one being uh, impossible and 10 being very easy. How easy was it for you to say, that's the turkey this year? Oh, it was, uh, it, I was uh, conflicted right down to the bitter end. I would say this is as close to a one as I've been for a wow. long time because, you know, last year the main reason I brought it back was to give it to PJ. Otherwise, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have done it. Uh, so, uh, uh, this year I had to go right down to the wire. That's, that's for sure. There wasn't a great field this year, really. There wasn't. There wasn't. Uh, we got too many teams doing well. <laughs> uh, the quarterback that you guys were bragging up here, he was a strong candidate in September, and now he's, uh, now he's fantastic. So, uh, like we, we can't have him on that list. That's for sure. And PJ Patrick was, his Big Ten, Record was what when you gave him the honor? Okay, we got the turkey of the year. And All right, we inspired him, and now he's uh, eight and one in the Big Ten and twelve and one overall since then. People don't understand that that this award takes people from places, the depths of their career, and raises them up. It is as much about motivation as it is ridicule. That's uh, that's that's what you got to remember. As I pointed out to you, yep, Ken Herbeck, nineteen ninety. He gets the turkey of the year. What happens the next year? He wins the World Series. He has a good year. And just for fun, he throws Ron Gann off first base in one of the greatest plays ever. <laughs> the next year, Dolman had seven sacks, played like a dog. Yep. All he did was worry about himself, ran by the quarterback looking for sacks. He got it in the next year, 91. The next two years, I think he had 27 sacks, and he ends up going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So. P.J. Fleck gets Turkey of the Year. That's what he said. Turns yeah. it around. Right. I mean, it's... Big yeah. Ten record's great since then. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a motivation to, uh, ploy, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, what... Uh, you know, but I did... Tr- I've tried to give it to the Timberwolves seven, several times, and it hasn't helped, so... <laughs> Yeah. Well, you can only go so far. I'm able to uh, motivate that collection uh, no matter what, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are getting uh, we are getting a, a bunch of suggestions that people are tweeting into us, and I don't want. How many said you have him give it to himself? Well, you already did that, though. Yes, but they don't remember that. So <laughs> our <laughs> listeners do. They're... Do it again. <laughs> yeah, they're smarter than that. <laughs> Never gave it to Sid, and now that he's going to be a hundred, it's too late, isn't it? You can't ridicule a guy when he's working at ninety nine and a half, can you? Well, I'm sure you could. I wouldn't put it past you. Yeah, you could give it to Sid. So, anywho, what were some of their better guesses today? Do you want me to just go through some of them and see if, what I'll your reaction is? Or, okay. Um, I'll just go through some. Some of these are fairly obvious ones, like Craig Leopold. Yeah, yeah, he was considered. Okay. <laughs> well, And Paul Fenton, I guess you'd put on the list, sort of by extension. Yeah, I didn't know him. I never met him. I never met him. He came and went. I don't think you missed much. I said hello to him once, and I might as well have been a you know a panhandler. So now I did meet Bill Guerin the other day, and he shook hands and didn't seem disgusted to have met me. So that's okay. It's a good step. Good step. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tom Thibodeau. Nope. He's 
not getting it. He Told made, you. He's the only guy to make the playoffs in 15 years. Told you, I mean, Tibbs, that, Tibbs was not going to make it. No, it's funny, Nick, and no matter what uh, those of us Tibbs detractors will be able to say, what Patrick just said is kind of a trump card, and that the Timberwolves have been to the playoffs mm-hmm. one time in 15 years, and Tom Thibodeau... You know, another problem with giving it to Tibbs, too many people want it. <laughs> yes, that's a factor. Too many people want it. You can't really give them everything they want, you know. There's a great Rolling Stone song about that. <laughs> Let's keep going. Keep going. Keep going down this list. With right. the list, yeah. Give him uh, more. Michael Pineda. Yes, that big fat uh, pitcher who screwed the Twins completely was considered strongly. That's for sure. I thought he'd be a, a pretty good candidate for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The idea that they might bring him back—that I mean, I don't, I don't think they will—disgusts me. By the way, that after a guy did what he did to you, yeah, hell with him. And it's not like he's. He's not Max Scherzer in his prime or anything. No. Like you can find Michael Pineda's out there. And, uh, and as I've said, when you watch the way the Yankees hit in the postseason by not chasing anything, I don't think he'd get them out in the postseason. I don't think he'd get Houston out in the postseason because they're not going to chase either. He would have been fun to watch throw 98 pitches in an inning and two-thirds, though. Oh, yeah, it would have been. He would have been huffing and puffing even on forty degree night, wouldn't he? He'd have a great time, as Judd said earlier at the Thanksgiving uh, yeah, table. He loved it, the uh, Thanksgiving oh, dinner the banquet, for. Yeah. Oh, the banquet! He'd eat everything. Uh, what yeah. about some? There's some people suggesting some national angles. It's been so 2007 was the last time you went outside of the local sphere when you went Charlie Weiss. And the reason I did that is I set the whole thing up like it was going to be Brewster, and then gave it to. Uh, oh, Charlie. that's why you okay. Yeah. I forgot about that well, part. Plus, I thought Charlie was a load, which he turned out to be. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted everybody to think, he's only been here one year, and he gave the turkey the year, and it went right down to the bed. What people have to realize about the... Phil, you're a big fan of Fight Club, right? Uh, I like. I mean, I yeah, I've seen Fight Club a few times. Yeah, but, I like Fight Club. And yeah. you know what the rules in Fight Club are, don't you? don't you? talk about Fight Club. There are Yeah, and the other rule is there are no rules. Right. So, same thing about the uh, turkey. There are no rules. <laughs> so uh, some national suggestions from people for Turkey of the Year, either the Astros and or this uh, assistant GM, Brandon Taubman, the guy who got, got <laughs> yeah, himself fired. Yeah. yeah. Antonio Brown, uh, he would have been a yep. good one, right? Antonio, Antonio Brown, Brown National, that would have been Miles a Garrett for uh, almost murdering. Mason Rudolph on a football field? Oh, that's... Eh, you know, the guy loses his temper once in a while. I think the XFL is going to uh, make that a 15-yard penalty. I said that before. <laughs> yeah, put him right back on the field, right? That's Suspended right. for one play. Vince McMahon looked at the uh, TV sports shows the next day, and all he saw for uh, a cot wall to wall was Miles Garrett hitting somebody with a helmet and says, we need this. Hey, Pat. Duke lost non-conference unranked team at home. How pleased were you by that? I saw that at one thirty this morning. Yep, right when I was and I couldn't sleep. Honest to God, I couldn't <laughs> sleep for an hour. I was so excited. Stephen F. Austin, right? I was, huh? Stephen F. Austin beat him, right? Yeah, overtime. Yeah, Nagadocious uh, State Skyhook School about thirteen thousand and uh, they how many they hadn't lost. At home in a non-conference game since St. John's beat them in 2000 with uh, Mike Jarvis was coaching that St. John's team. And that wasn't the Artest team. I looked it up. Artest left in 99. Although that St. John's team won the Big East tournament. It was a pretty good team. But uh, Stephen F. Austin, what, about a couple of years ago, won a game in the tournament. Yes. Didn't they get to the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago, a few years ago? They definitely had a big year two years ago. Yeah. Yes. 
But this is fantastic. Uh, you know, what has happened to honest? This is an honest question. Why don't they play defense anymore, Duke? Remember, they used to play defense. Now they just try to outscore you. They don't really play uh, play very good defense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Players got is, tired of it? But there's a lot of kids who go through. I mean, like if, like, let's take an AAU system, for example. How much defense is being played on the AAU yeah. circuit? They're all trying to get 20 points and, you know, get on Instagram and I highlights. Suppose, you know, if you're trying to get the one and dones who want to get drafted, they want to have 22 points and 11 rebounds. They don't want to have everybody saying, "Yeah, he only averaged 11 points, but boy, he played good defense." They don't, you know, if you're going to get the one and dones, you probably got to let them go loose. Right. It is funny though, reading the play-by-play that uh, two Minnesota kids, Trey Jones and Michael Hurt, on the on the court when the when the turnover took place there at the end. Yeah, I think the one thing the last two guys to touch the ball too. Yeah, you go back and watch before the kid picked it up yeah, and the, dunked it. The poor hey, we not- should mention Derry Shelton, you're yeah. the Pirates. That's uh, good luck to him, but that hurts, man. They uh, they're getting raided, aren't they? Wow. Yep. Teams. I wonder uh, if he'll take anybody with him. I wonder if he's got any buddies. Man, yeah. Can I mean, you do that? This isn't like the NFL. These guys just go take jobs if they want to. Now, I think if you got, you can hold them to a contract if you have them. I suppose they might have guys signed to a contract, right. but. They let this Hefner leave. They let all these guys leave. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's an underrated loss, and I don't think I don't know. It's not going to cost People them ten say, wins. Well, or anything. how much is it without analytics and blah, with analytics and everything, all the analytic driven stuff? But I think she'll, I think Rocco liked him standing next to him to run things yeah. past him. He did. Yep. Well, yeah, Pat. You- we got we got to run here. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and we're looking forward to uh, yet another Turkey of the Year column later on tonight, probably on StarTribune.com. I usually put it up about ten. I think I don't know. All, All right, right, cool. All right, see you, Pat. Happy Thanksgiving, Royce. Right. Yes, Talk sir. to you. Bye bye. He's our turkey. Our turkey. Yeah, we're Patrick not Royce. giving him back. No, we are not. Uh, you can find us on Friday <laughs> from three until six at Blarney Pub and Grill for a little sign making party. Three hour show. Back to three hours. I'll see if I'm stretched out. I was going to say, can you make it? Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.